Hi, everyone. I'm Josh. And I'm Jim. And this is The Dapper Meeple. This show is about our love of gaming, the games we play, and the gaming community around this passion. So pull up a chair, put on your Dapper Meeple hat, and join us at the table. Hey kids, remember, this is an adult podcast and may contain adult language. Also, Dapper Meeple hat, not required. On today's episode, we talk Origins Game Fair and the awards that were handed out. We also launched the first edition of our brand new segment, Your Friendly Local Game Store. Closing out things with a crowdfunding roundup. All that and more on this episode of the Dapper Meeple. With the realization that there's so many games out there that I've never played, with all the conventions that come up over the summer, I'm trying to decide which game I'm excited about. Because there's a <laughs> bunch of them. I... I think at this point it's it's really hard to stay on top of just what games are releasing like even to even to a point where we could do this as a full-time job and still not like even see all the new games that are coming out. Oh right, there are YouTube channels dedicated to this and they're still missing stuff. Like yeah. when we talk about how this is kind of a renaissance in the board game industry and what crowdfunding has done for it. It's just, I mean, the market is, I don't want to say flooded because I think there's enough room still, but oh my God, there are games coming out of everywhere. Yeah. I I wonder how many like really good games never get to see like the light of day kind of because, because they don't have either the backing or maybe they just don't get the, publicity that you know a lot of games like might get right or they're not marvel because uh we were talking about that today and you can find a marvel version of at least 30 percent of all games that's what i that's what i'm seeing i'm not knocking it i'm just tired of playing you know scarlet witch black panther and doctor strange in every game i play i could find them everywhere I was playing Moonrakers the other night, and I had a little bit of a moment where I thought I was Doctor Strange on the ship. It was, it was, it was bad. It's getting to be traumatic. I need to see Marvel Catan before this is all over. <laughs> somebody that's listening to us, pass that on to somebody that'll do it. Yeah, yeah, it'd be great. Trust me, <laughs> it'll win awards. We can get awards for that. So, speaking of all the things that happened in summer with conventions, we just had Origins. That's uh, right. Just finished up the past weekend, actually, when we were recording. So, Columbus, or- Ohio. Yep. Okay, so another one, that, and Gen Con's in Indianapolis. Gary Con. It's in Lake Geneva, Wisconsin. Yeah. My point is, there's a lot of stuff going on in the Midwest, and being over here on the East Coast feels like it's too much travel. Again, if this is something we were doing full-time with our lives. Yeah, but I mean, you have we have our fair share, too. I mean, we have, of course, PAX unplugged over here. We We've also PAX have... East, which yeah. is Boston. Um, you got down in Florida, you got the Dice Tower East that it always they always do down there. Their big convention. I mean, where's that at in Florida? Uh, I think they're out of Miami, if I'm not mistaken. Ooh, that feels expensive. <laughs> okay, but yeah, so there's a lot of really good conventions that happen during the summer and kind of fall. 
Yeah, so we have Origins, which is put on by Gamma, which is the Game Manufacturers Association. Which I think they're playing a little fast and loose with that acronym, but <laughs> all right. I think it works. I mean, if not, it'd be Gamma. Yeah, <laughs> I like it better. <laughs> what are you, so what organization are you with? Gamma. Uh, did you just grunt at me? Yeah, it'll work great, I'm sure. I'm sure it's not been tested or anything at all in the years that right? they've been Let me thing. go to this organization who specializes in setting up game shops and helping people learn how to sell things and tell them how to do their job. Yeah, That's what I yeah. need to do. We are members now. so I was going to say, are there we members? <laughs> Is that part of the privilege we get? I don't know. But <laughs> anyway, we have Origins, which is... A pretty good sized convention. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they said they had about sixteen thousand uh, people visiting this year. Right. Uh, they it's very similar to kind of the way they do packs and stuff. From what I could tell, the, you know, the vendors come in, they set up their booths, people wander around, look at the stuff they sell, try out games, all the usual stuff. Right. Uh, they do have they do have awards that they give away every year at Origins as well. Uh, this year they released the winners list. Um, couple of games that i expected to be on there and then there were a couple that i i didn't really know they would win awards but i mean <laughs> we've talked about them before we think they were good stuff but i mean it was pretty cool to see them kind of on this list as well right kind of affirms that hey we know what people like we got this board game thing down the best the is, best <laughs> that is what we are so yeah the retail game of the year first and foremost is boop we had really talked about Boop. No. Uh, because we kind of bypassed it when we were at PAX Unplugged last year. Uh, they were there, uh, and this game sold out <laughs> while they were at PAX. But, yeah, Smirk and Laughter Games. Yep. So, this game is very straightforward. It's um, a cool little abstract strategy game where you have uh, these cats or kittens that you're trying to place on this bed. And the bed is just a little grid. And every time you place one of your kittens and or cats on the bed, it boops everything else, uh, which pushes everything like one space away. So it's very like pretty straightforward, but it's one of those games that looks easy on the surface and then has like some pretty good strategic tension. Right. Um, but yeah, it, it looks really simple. It's got a cutesy cat on the front of the box. Like it's fantastic. Great game. Um, this is the same company that also did the night cage right which we've talked about a few times um and yeah so it's a lot of really cool stuff glad to see that game is still continuing its underrated rise to fame i guess (laughs) (laughs) kind of slipping in all nice and quiet until you don't notice it just like a cat it might never be on the hotness on board game geek but uh yeah from what i hear everybody seems to like it so definitely might be one uh i'm sure they'll have some at gen con so we might have to make sure we swing by there and check it out. That's right, because we're going to Gen Con. We'll talk a little bit about that in a minute. Um, Flamecraft is another one that we saw at PAX U from yep. Lucky Duck Games, which, man, Lucky Duck does so many good games, especially like kids' games, because the apps that they run with them, you know, really spell stuff out. Um, I know that Flamecraft is the one where they're playing like your, like the baby dragons, and you're using your flames to create different yep. items and stuff. So that one won for, um, that's actually the Origins fan favorite. Yeah, uh, it's, this game has been generating some buzz for a while. Um, I do really like Lucky Duck. I do like their app kind of integration, which this game doesn't really have a whole lot of that. This is almost a pretty straight board game. Um, the one thing I will say, though, their Kickstarters uh, can be ambitious. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll put it that way. I, I think currently they have 
three Kickstarters that they have not fulfilled yet. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, and they are they are very ambitious projects. So we'll we'll see how that pans out, you know, in the coming months or so. But um, there's a couple of, like the Dark Quarter was one that I'm really looking forward to. The, that was that the the murder New, mystery. And yeah, like, like set in New Orleans. Yeah, with like vampires and voodoo and shit. Hell yeah. yeah. Um. So yeah. But anyway, uh, still a fantastic company. Definitely a great game. Um, let's see some of the other games that came out of this um, the collectibles game was Magic the Gathering uh, Universes Beyond Warhammer 40k Commander decks by the Wizard by Wizards of the Coast which is one that we talked about last time yep. when we were talking about the new uh, Wizards product that was coming that's out that's right and yeah so the, the 40k Commander decks they seem to be pretty cool I'm glad people like them uh, I've been playing the heck out of the new Lord of the Rings set that dropped a week and a half ago or so. Right. Uh, doing a lot of drafts on Magic Arena and things like that. It's a fantastic set. I love Lord of the Rings. So the, I think the, the artwork is still a little <laughs> interesting, but I think it's really, really good. I think this is the kind of thing 40K like these are this is going to get real popular here in a year or two when Cavill gets his series out. I don't think there's any way that that doesn't come out swinging. And yeah, yeah, stuff like this is people going to be like, oh, I can do other things with uh, Warhammer because I don't want to paint a thousand minis. Um, so, yeah, this kind of this is the kind of um, product that I think people will look back on or might backtrack a little. Yeah, I did see that they launched uh, three new starter sets for the Warhammer 10th edition. Yes. Set of rules. Yeah. Yeah. So that's they, pretty cool. They just dropped 10th edition. Um, I want to say it was only a couple of months ago. Yeah. Uh, so that is a new set of rules, changes up some stuff. You know, I don't know if they do it for balance or they just do it to keep people buying stuff. But uh, 10th edition rules uh, is for the that's that's for their large tabletop type game. Yeah. They still have Necromunda. They still have kill teams. They still have their board game that they put out. So there's lots of ways to get into the Warhammer world. Um, the best thematic board game uh, from the Origins Awards was Dead Reckoning uh, by AEG. So this game uh, was the pirate game where you craft uh, like your people and you like keep upgrading them and things like that. It had a really cool uh, mechanic of the way you sleeve the cards like in the game where you would leave up like the top bar and it would add abilities to your like pirate and stuff yeah 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 i don't know if we talked about it very much but i, I saw a review on it uh, a little while ago now uh but it looked really really cool the way that like you did it because the cards some of the cards had like clear spaces in them sure so when you sleeved other cards behind them it had abilities yeah, like a, that like would a fall into that space yeah nice yeah nice. yeah uh so that one's very cool uh glad that one got a thematic game award um rpg core rule game coyote and crow yeah so that's cool they are making some real waves with that game they were at pax we, we tried to get into a game and it didn't work because everybody was trying to get into a game yeah uh, they even opened up two other sessions and they immediately filled up yeah yeah right it was a um rpg that's done basically what would have happened to the americas had europeans not coming over here and settled yeah. So what would have been the natural course of the civilizations that were already alive and well and thriving um, into a time where we're dealing with like a futuristic kind of time uh, yeah. time set and you mix the technology with the, you know, their lore and tradition. It's a great looking game. We still have not ran it because I still need to figure out how I want to approach running it. 
But it's good to see them popping up on these awards lists. Yeah, because we've actually had that game or the the book for a while now. So um, we've talked about it a couple of times. So it's I think it's really cool to be able to see that it's still kind of being relevant. Right. It wasn't like a one hit and gone away. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There are uh, so much more awards on there. Everything from card games, strategy board games, um, even children's games. So one last one would be the RPG supplement. Agents of Dune by Modifius Entertainment. So Modifius has got their hands on all kinds of IPs that they've made. Um, the Dune Adventures in the Imperium RPG released, uh, I think it was last year, and there was a lot of different things that came out with it. Um, if you're not a fan of Frank Herbert's Dune, I would encourage you to go pick up those books. Um, I think there's six books in the original series. And there was a movie that was done back in the 80s, which was uh, David Lynch. And it's pretty much a fever dream. Like, there's no way you can't tell me that there wasn't cocaine involved in the writing of that one. Um, It kind of follows the book. But the newest one last year, uh, Denny Villeneuve released Dune Part 1, which is from the original book, Frank Herbert's Dune. And then this year in November, they're releasing Part 2, which is going to be awesome. I'm going to call it right now. We haven't seen a lot of blockbusters hitting lately, right? Movies have kind of been, yeah. Dune 2 is going to be big. I'm going to call it now. And people, okay. I think people are going to want to get... And the lore and the world building that happens in Dune is so deep and so complex. Uh, the RPG lets you play in that. And now Agents of Dune was a supplement uh, to kind of expand on that. Because there's a lot of stuff that happens. It's not all just one planet. Yeah. Uh, IP is still out there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there are a bunch of other games, uh, categories and things, awards they gave away. So take a look at that. Uh, we'll put the link to the list in our show notes for you guys. Um, but yeah, there were some other really cool games uh, that were at Origins that a bunch of people had talked about. They were interested in seeing. Obviously, we did not get a chance to go, but uh, some that we wanted to kind of give a brief mention to. Um, I know for you, one of the ones that was really cool was the Lords of Ragnarok. Right. Um, and that one is a Norse themed game, which the original one they did was, uh, Lords of Hellas, yep. which was Greek mythology based. And it is an area control miniature game. Um, it, the miniatures on that one just looked amazing. Yeah. So it's done by Awakened Realms right. and Awakened Realms always has gorgeous gorgeous miniatures uh i i really feel like they kind of give they're kind of the other one up in the board game kind of tiers next to simon that does miniatures really well right um theirs is oftentimes a little more kind of darker fantasy kind of themed uh which they um they were the ones responsible for tainted grail which was the kind of like dark arthurian legend game um but yeah so this one looks fantastic uh, it is um, asymmetric armies, so you have... Which I really like that. Yep, asymmetric player powers are always cool. Uh, you are trying to basically get the most points from building monuments, hunting monsters, ravaging lands, and gathering armies and artifacts. So uh, the the it kind of almost has like a, a steampunk kind of feel to it, mixed in with the um, the Norse mythology, which is very much what the original one had with Lords of Hellas. So fantastic looking miniatures. The artwork on it looks really, really good too. Yeah. I love the artwork. I love the miniatures. I do love that the armies are uh, like they're individual that they have asymmetric powers. They also look very distinct. 
looking at the uh, Kickstarter and stuff that talked about it, even looking back at Lords of Hellas, which was a 2018 game. Yep. So this game is still coming to backers back on Kickstarter, but I think they should have retail copies available soon uh, if you did not back it. Uh, one of the other games that I was looking at uh, is actually Stalker, uh, which is also from Awakened Realms. It is a um, kind of like survival horror combat adventure um, where you are trying to basically survive in this post-apocalyptic world that is um, Chernobyl. Yeah, that's is that the one? To, yeah, I was trying to remember. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know it's a place. Yeah, so it is a story-driven board game uh, that it's one to four players. It's basically kind of like a zone crawler is the the way the publisher describes it. Right. Uh, where you are moving around the board, you have different challenges and things you're trying to face and really just survive is, is what it comes down to. Uh, but again, artwork and stuff looks really, really cool on it. I like kind of the post-apocalyptic theme. Right. I think it's a nice, nice little fit that is not just zombies. Yeah. Because yeah. that's, that's usually where people go with the post-apocalypse type thing. Um, the other one that I really like is that was at Origins and has come out. It came out a little bit before um, and it's been around, but I think it was one of the games that was kind of featured there is Resist. That's the solo. Yes. Yep. Uh, so in Resistance, uh, it is a car driven solitaire game. Um, so you take on the role of these resistance fighters uh, and you're trying to do these missions. Um, one of the things about it that seems very interesting is it forces you to make like tough decisions. Right. Um, like you can. You can put your people out in the open to like gain more like ground, basically. But now they're out in the open and exposed and you might lose them. Got it. Um, whereas if you try to use more like subterfuge and put them out there quietly, it's more likely that you're not going to lose them, but you're also not going to advance your mission as much. So some really cool decision space like that. I think it looks like a very interesting game. Um, it's one that I'm interested to get my hands on and give it a shot as somebody who likes solo games. So how many of these do you think are going to show back up at Gen Con? I, I would imagine they're, uh, if the people, if they have a booth there, they probably would still be. Right, there. right. That would be my guess. Because that'll be our next outing is yep. we are going to Gen Con and we're actually going to be at the BA Games booth. Right. Or, or their demo tables, wherever they decide to use us. Yeah. Uh, we volunteered up for that, but we got some time to, we've got some time to go look around because this will be our first time at Gen Con. Yep. Gen Con is huge. And it's going to be nuts. It's it is. It is. Um, we've got a place to stay already. We've got our passes. Like, we're just counting down the days now. And I know that one That one ramps up and comes in uh, at the beginning of August. Yeah. So. This is the one we've been talking about going to for years. Yeah. Um, and this is the first year we really had the opportunity to go. So, yeah, we're, we're definitely excited for it. Um, I'm sure we will have one maybe a two episode gen con wrap up depending on what all we see and what all happens right um if you do happen to go to gen con this year um look for us um probably find us by our pins i was gonna say <laughs> so uh yeah it'll be good to meet people there um i always enjoy going to cons especially meeting publishers and game designers and things like that it's always a really fun time right and we'll see if uh tom vassal still has his dapper meeple pin oh i'm gonna ask him straight up <laughs> straight up it's gonna be great because he's gonna be like who are you yeah right. 
I don't even know you. All right, dude. Now we fight. <laughs> Seen enough comic book movies to know. So yeah. Um. So on the show today, what we're gonna do is a new segment that we're introducing here, and it is your friendly local game store. We've talked a lot about. You can get a game cheaper on Amazon, yeah. but the community and the the camaraderie and the play and just learning and experiencing this hobby takes place on a different level when you do it with your local game stores. We have a couple in the area that we're fond of that we've been to several times. I know um, Atlantis has been my go-to for you know over a decade. I've been here in this area for 15 years, and that's where I've gone to for... Uh, Warhammer stuff, D and D, minis, board games. It's just gotten to be the home that I go to. Yeah. Um, our good friend Montel. Yep. Works out of there, and so we kind of understand the value of that. That friendly local game store. Yeah, absolutely. And we've done some traveling, and we've seen a little bit of the world. So what we've done is we decided to reach out and talk to people that are running game stores and see if they would spend half an hour or so sitting down and talking to us. So we can hear what it is that makes them want to do this. Because from everything that I can tell and everyone I talk to, it is such a labor of love. And to do it and to enjoy it, um, everybody that, I, that I've that i talked to that runs a game store tells me that they're the luckiest person in the world for, to be able to get to do this. Yeah. So we start off with, uh, with a place that we've got a little history with. Yeah. So our very first entry into this segment uh, is going to be one of my favorite stores from when I lived down in South Carolina. Uh, we're talking Boardwalk. Uh, so we've mentioned them on the show a few times, especially when we did a few episodes about like our history in gaming, kind of where we got started. Um, this store, for me, was a weekly destination when I was in Greenville. Right. Um, every single Friday for years when I was playing Magic, I would be at that store. That's just where I played my Friday Night Magic. Um, that was kind of what drew me more into board games. Um, and we do, I get to talk about that. So we actually have, um, the two owners, John and Sherry are going to be with us in this segment. Uh, they get to talk about running the store, why they do it, what they love about it, the whole nine yards. I mean, one of the coolest things about the interview, and I'll give you a little teaser. Boardwalk was originally started in 84, right? And it's been around since then and has continued to grow. I actually got the opportunity to go back down uh, this past weekend, which was after we had already recorded the segment. So um, it was great to be back in person, uh, see all the upgrades and changes that they made to the store. The place is huge now. They have so much fantastic play space. The product they carry is awesome. It's just really cool to see a store like that that is thriving. Um, so yeah, we're really excited for this segment. Uh, one thing to you as listeners, if you have a friendly local game store that is not in our area, Hampton Roads, feel free to send us in who they are, what they do, where they're at, and we'll reach out to them and see if they would like to join us on this segment. Right. There's so many great places that everybody knows when you're a local. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to talk to your favorite friendly local game store and have them on the segment. So, uh, we'll get into that. So with all the stuff we've done on this podcast and all the people that we've met, one thing that is constant 
is the joy of finding a new friendly local game store when we're out traveling, when we're at cons, um, just when we're away from home base. And so we've decided that we want to reach out to some of these stores and give them a chance to tell us uh, about running a local game store. Yeah, so this is going to be the first time we're running this segment. Um, So we're going to call it Your Friendly Local Game Store. Uh, We actually have one of my favorite stores that I've ever visited um, on with us today. Uh, I'll go ahead and bring them in. Uh, Sherry, John, uh, they run Boardwalk um, Purveyors of Fine Games down in Greenville, South Carolina. Uh, It is a fantastic store. If you guys are ever in that area, I cannot recommend enough to swing by. Uh, Take a visit, take a look at their location, um, and just say hey, because it's some fantastic people. So, Sherry and John, how are you guys doing today? Very well. Very good. Thank you. How are you doing? Uh, You know, it's rainy. Virginia Beach, it's always (laughs) rainy. (laughs) It feels like we can't can't get out of it. So, let's start off by uh, talking a little bit about yourselves. We like to have our guests describe their gamer pedigree is what we call it. So like, how long have you been playing tabletop games? You know, do you have a favorite game? Just kind of stuff like that. I grew up with it. I was playing card games and board games with my family from day one. (laughs) So we were playing Down with the King when we were 12. And (laughs) Yep. For me also, games have been my hobby and my passion ever since I was just a little kid. Yeah. I never remember not playing games. We talk to a lot of people, and that seems to be one of those things. If you weren't, if you if you didn't grow up with the games, you hit this point somewhere like in like your early to mid twenties where that was all of a sudden everything to you. Um, so that seems to be kind of a reoccurring yeah. theme that we see with a lot of people. Do you have a favorite? I mean, I imagine on top of this being a passion and having the resources at your fingertips, <laughs> it's hard to pick a favorite. It- this point, I need a genre in order to pick a favorite. I can't pick a favorite overall game. I can pick a favorite RPG or a favorite card game, but not so much a favorite favorite. Um, D&D has always done awesome, and it's always been fun. It's what you can do whatever you want to with, so that's my favorite role-playing game. Okay, awesome. But, but, yeah. Fifth edition, or are you with... I like 3 and 3, 5, and 5th edition did an okay job, too. Okay, okay. I can appreciate that. Um, <laughs> Pathfinder at all, or how, you, how do you feel about that one? We like Pathfinder. Uh-huh. We have the Pathfinder Society that meets at the store on a regular basis and stuff like that. So we do support it. Yeah, it's just one I haven't played. It doesn't mean I wouldn't like it. I just haven't played it. I started playing role playing games with Second Edition uh, because I'm old and <laughs> moved through three and three five and then Fifth Edition. So yeah, it's one of our favorites here as well. We tell a lot of stories. We do a lot of like uh, learn to play with it. So yeah, I get that one. What about a? What about a, if you're looking at an actual just like a board game? Do you have a favorite? I like Splendor a lot. Um, Dominion yeah, yeah. is great deck building game that just kind of started things. Dominion is a, a, is a classic. That's for sure. <laughs> yes. Off times, my favorite is whatever I played last. That's a good answer. <laughs> that, that is a fantastic answer because I lately our collection has seems to keep growing and growing as one does, um, and that is exactly I think how I would describe my favorite, or at least I will from now on, because uh, that is one one hundred percent the way that I feel. Uh, it's it's always hard to choose. I think we we did a top ten list uh, back earlier in the year, and 
it was tough to try and make those picks. And I mean, we we don't have I mean, we're just now pushing like 130 games between us. So we don't have any kind of the the crazy amount to really choose from. But yeah, no, absolutely. That's a great answer. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about the store a little bit. When did Boardwalk first start and like where did where did that start? Uh, what did that look like? That sort of thing. Boardwalk has two iterations. It's 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 parent was Boardwalk and Park Place, which he needs to tell you about. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And uh, next year, it will be 40 years I've been standing here. Wow. That's awesome. We started in 84. Wow. I was, uh, yeah. I was five years old. <laughs> yeah. I don't feel so bad anymore. All right, I'm good to go. <laughs> uh, started in the, the local regional mall, mm-hmm. and we got started. I never would have had them foresight or been able to talk my wife into doing it, but uh, we bought a bankruptcy. There was a uh, Florida-based chain called Boardwalk and Park Place. They had a dozen or so stores in the southeast. I spent a bunch of time and money in there. One day I was talking to the manager. The company was in Chapter 11. He was losing his job. Through him, he put me in touch with the owners who put me in touch with the bankruptcy court. I put in a teeny little bit I borrowed five grand from my mom and hot both my cars. And uh, poof, I got a game store with a cash register and half full of games and the <laughs> manuals on how to run a game store. Wow. That's, yeah. That's oh, awesome. written better than the rule books. Uh, <laughs> it's been a long trip since then and a glorious one. That, I mean, that sounds like a Kevin Smith starter story, you know, <laughs> like. Started with pretty much nothing. Here's what we got. And to be going so long and doing so well, I mean, we were talking, Josh was talking with Rachel before we got started about uh, the last time he's been there, and you've expanded um, again since then. I mean, the store seems like it is still going strong and doing well in the area. Our rebirth when we left the mall was big for us because then it allowed us to do what we wanted to. We could spend the money in the ways that we wanted to in order to make the store better for the people coming in and the other awesome thing that it did is it allowed us to have game space so we get to we get to have people all day long instead of just coming and going which is very helpful with the community so yeah i remember um like i was telling rachel i first met you guys um or encountered your store when y'all were next to the jimmy johns there in that little annex park yep um that was the first time i had walked in that was right around the time i got into magic so i was there every friday night I remember when you guys first uh, bought the place down in the corner and before y'all had even renovated everything, we were over there playing because you had so many people at Magic. There wasn't enough to fit everybody in the original store. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Like I said, I have some really awesome memories um, from your guys' store that, you know, I I really I can't thank you guys enough for, I mean, just having that space there. Um, one of our big things, the reason kind of we started this podcast and kind of our mantra that we, we go by is we believe that there's room for everyone around the gaming table, you know, no matter where they come from or who they are, what they look like, anything like that. Um, we believe that games bring people together. Um, and experiences like I had in your guy's store is really what kind of built the foundation for, you know, the gamer and the really doing the stuff that I do today. I mean, just to be completely honest. Um, so let's move on. We got a ton more questions to go over and we don't want to keep you guys too long. Cause I know y'all are busy. 
opening a game store um, and running a game store can be um, an interesting experience, I'm sure. What are some of the challenges that you guys have had to overcome that kind of stick out to you? Employees, finding the right ones is a big one. Uh, just everybody wants to work in a game store. So you have to really make sure that they can actually fit in a yeah. game store and talk to people and stuff. So that was one big one, finding people that were competent uh-huh. as far as when they're talking to people as well as working behind the counter. It's it's a balance. <laughs> Employees have been the best and occasionally the worst part of my life. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I could I could definitely see that Um, as someone whose career has been in a retail industry for most of my life. uh, I I feel the the employee remark very, very deeply. Um, But yeah, so uh, what what else? Is there any other challenges that kind of stick out to you other than employees? Picking what to buy from the thousands of games that are made every year. That's a really tough one. Um, having to go through and do a lot of research that we didn't used to have to do. We used to be able to say, hey, all right, we're out of this, this, and this, and this. And it's just exploded in the last few years. So picking that stuff out is, is a challenge because you got to pick what your customers are actually going to buy. Right, right. Yeah, we, we've talked about that quite a few times, um, how board games have really had like a renaissance in the right. past, like maybe three, four years, where now to even hope to try and see uh, or read every title of every game that comes out every year it almost seems impossible now. I have to be honest that you occasionally will scroll past something because you can't see it. It might be a great game, but if you have to actively sell a game, it doesn't make it such a great game for the shelf. So mm-hmm. that's interesting when I come across those and then you see that it's got an amazing rating online and you're like, oh, I skipped it. Shouldn't have done that. Yeah, we've uh, we've done that several times where we're like, oh, we were totally late to the game, the party on this one. We have pulled games off the shelves that got popular after like a year or two. Um, and it's like, yeah. oh, yeah, this is great. We <laughs> totally missed that. Our bad. Yeah, our bad. Yeah. So We're very fortunate. Sherry does a great job with the game selection. That used to be my job back in the day. It was much easier because what new did Parker Brothers or Milton Bradley put out? <laughs> Those are your choices. There's so much great stuff. People, I think, are going to look back on this at time as the golden age of board games, like the golden age of comics and so forth. I can see that. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think I could absolutely agree with that. So when did, when did that start? So I'm, I'll tell you, my pedigree for gaming really started in RPGs. Um, I was in the Navy for 20 years and uh, got out, and it was kind of one of the ways that he and I, uh, he's a, a little bit younger than I am, but one of the ways that we bonded was over games, uh, being so far apart and stuff. And when I would come home and leave, when we kind of got into this, we're like, wow, like this gaming thing, something we're really enjoying. That's where we started the podcast. But it has been, like I said, in the last couple of years for you guys owning a store like this renaissance in gaming, this golden age. Like, how long has this been going on? And I mean, does it look like a trend that's going to continue for a while? I think that it pretty much we noticed it really right after we left the mall. I would say like around 2011, 2012 is when it started and it has been climbing instead of declining, knock on wood. Right. Um, it's been doing better and better. Every and year is better than a year before. The whole Kickstarter thing that's going on and GameFound and all that, it opens the door to a lot of people to be able to produce games, hopefully good games, right. and not necessarily have to have it solicited by a big company in order to get it in print. So that's another 
reason I think that so many of them are out there are avenues like that that have popped up. When you decided to start this, did you did you have any idea that it was going to be 40 years later and you were going to be sitting in the middle of this? No idea at all. <laughs> I hope you make it one. Right? Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. you talked about, you know, getting the store. Was, was it just kind of a spur of the moment decision or was it something you were like, I'm passionate about this. I wonder if I could make money at it. I quote my wife. <laughs> Go ahead and do this. We'll never have a chance to lose this little again. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like your your wife is a woman who understands good timing. That's what that sounds like. <laughs> That's fantastic. My opportunity came from knowing the right people and doing a good job and enjoying the store and not wanting it to go anywhere. Right. <laughs> For years and years, I had one guy that I played with. Played a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, there was an old uh, Avalon Hill game called Upfront. We got a notification one year. We sent the stuff off to them, and they sent us back in December that he and I had played a thousand games that year. Oh, oh wow! <laughs> <laughs> wow! And that buddy happens to be her dad. Oh, really? Yep. <laughs> And I was over at her house when she was 10, 12, something like uh, that. You guys are at the game. Yeah, you guys are at the table for a while. Yeah. I don't remember how old I was. It was before I went to high school, though. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So so when you say you grew up with this, like, you grew up with this, and John was a big part of that, too. <laughs> Honestly, I didn't play so many games with him. I grew up with it. My family. Sure. Yeah. I mean, my dad played games with John for a reason. I mean, John was into the type of stuff that he was, so he started playing games with him and into that whole group. I mean, I won't say that I'm here because of my father and John's relationship. He offered me a job when something else was going wrong, and it steamrolled from there. So just tried to do the best I can. and Maybe the best decision I ever made. Right. 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 So... We talk about, like, we always encourage people to. Um, we know that a lot of people, like, you can probably go online and find a lot of games cheaper and save a couple bucks. But we're always encouraged that friendly local game store because of the community that, that, that you guys create. Um, yeah. What's, like, what's some of the most rewarding part of doing this job? Because I, I feel like anybody that goes into opening their own business um, might have a little bit uh, of a mental streak to begin with. But to do it into the gaming market, <laughs> you've got to find the people. You you know, this is a hobby that we all that people enjoy, and it's kind of a luxury hobby. We get into this because this is where we go to unwind and stuff. But it's got there's got to be moments where you just kind of sit back and look at the store and be like, "Yep, this is where I belong." Like, what are some of the most rewarding things about running that store for you guys? By far, it is the people I interact with. The I really like. Everybody that works here, I really like them. And I like the space that we have been able to create for the people that come and play with us. It's super rewarding when you have like an event or something and you see all kinds of people that would not normally be getting together coming and having a good time at the same event. I mean, that's why politics is a Nick's just don't talk politics because we've got to stay nice and 
respectful to others and we want everybody to have a good time and everybody can do that. You have so many different people sitting around and enjoying themselves. It's, it's awesome when you have a store slam full of happy people. I'll tell you, John, one of my favorite memories that I have, it was right after I first started playing magic. Um, it might've been like the second or third time I'd ever played magic in a store. Um, I showed up for Friday night magic and you had, I can't remember what game it was, but you had a game set up on that little, like kind of bar height, uh, red table that you guys had that little two by two table. Uh, and you had a game set up on there and anybody who would stop by to even look at it, you would take those five minutes and you let me show you how it's played. Uh, and you would start like showing everything that happened and how to play the game um, and just the whole nine yards. And to me, that experience um, is something that I have taken for um, somebody who works in retail. Um, like that has a lot to do, with, you know, getting customers to come in and look at your product and things like that. I've taken those like just that image of you standing there pulling everybody who you can get in <laughs> just to come look at this game. Yeah, that's one of my favorite memories from there. Every time I would see you at that little red table with whatever game it was, you know, that was fantastic. But yeah, so we talk about uh, like community and things like that. And obviously, you know, Boardwalk has been around for a long time now. Where do you guys see the store in five years? Here. Here. Yeah. yeah. One time in the old late 90s, I was going to grow an empire. And turns out I'm okay, or at least I was at that time, and running a game store. But building an empire took a different set of skills. I didn't have those. And so we're just going to do one store and do one store right. <laughs> That's yeah. The friendly local game store is definitely what we strive for. Um, we wanted to stay in the community even after we decide that it's time for us to exit. We definitely want the store to go on, so we're going to do everything we can in our power, even when it's time for us to retire or whatnot, to make sure that it stays here for our employees in the community, because that's what it's all about. It is rewarding to me when we first started. I had a crew of, oh, there were a bunch of like uh, teenagers who would right. come in, buy our stuff, and play. And then quite a ways later, they would come in and bring their children. And now what I'm starting to see is those children are coming in and bringing their children. <laughs> it's an amazing thing. In some cases, I've had working here the children of my former employees. They worked for me when they were in high school. And now they come back and Occasionally, they would have said, would you consider hiring my child? Which I thought was a hell of a compliment. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, as, as a parent, I mean, if I, if I had anybody that I trusted enough to be like, hey, I had a really great start here. Can my kid have this too? That's huge. But to be somewhere long enough, to be doing something that you love long enough, where you're talking about second and third generation gamers and guests and people coming in, I mean, that's got to feel absolutely amazing to see those faces when they come in and be like, hey, hey, this is these people like these are the people that I learned this game from. This is where I had, you know, Friday Night Magic. This is where I came to my weekly games. You know, that's got to be amazing. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know too many stores. I know none of the stores here have been have been open that long. Yeah. 
that around us. So that's got to be an absolutely amazing feeling. We've tried to build it around our customers, which helped out a lot. Mm-hmm. This is building a community that helps keep a store sustainable as opposed to just popping up. If you're building a community, they're going to want to keep you in business. So things like when the pandemic happens and stuff, they're still trying to support you. And you're still trying to give them what they need and stuff, too. And right. it helps. <laughs> How did you get through the pandemic? I know some of the stores up here kind of changed some business models. There was a lot of online shopping. I mean, what did you guys do? Because you obviously made it, and we're rooting for you. <laughs> we only had to be closed for two weeks. And we knocked down a wall and made the store bigger. Okay. Um, so that it's not as compact. And people could spread out, and we could spread people out and still have people come out. We did deliveries for people. We did curbside pickup. So we had minimum staff. Um, we figured if they decided that they didn't consider us one of the essential businesses, we could throw out there. But, you know, mental is an essential issue. And right, what right, are people yeah. going to do if they're sitting around the table all day aside from getting advice? Let them put it on paper. Right, right, <laughs> exactly. Cardboard. Like if we're going to do this, we're going to fight this out with some dice and some minis or something. <laughs> Right. <laughs> the year after, the year after the pandemic mm-hmm. was the best we'd ever had, and the year of the pandemic was almost as good as the year before, even despite being closed a bunch. Yeah. And you talked about community. Mm-hmm. I was just stunned and overwhelmed how well supported we were. People would made a conscious effort to come look out for us. Right. Now, I mean, I know like the community that you had built, I'm sure, was there. Did did the community seem to grow during that pandemic and that year after it? Was that where there was a big and, explosion? Yeah, because everybody's looking online and stuff. So at that point, we were online and we have some wonderful people to help us with things like that. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, I think it helped a lot with people looking it up. And when they look up game stores in Greenville, always being one of the ones that pops up. Right, right. And and also during the pandemic, everybody was home. It was only about so much Netflix you can watch. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that got a little wild on its own. So, yeah, <laughs> it was pretty well known that we were gamers and stuff. But there was a lot of people that calling me like, hey, can I stop by and borrow a game? <laughs> like, Yes. Let me get you started on this addiction. Here you go. <laughs> Here's our starter aisle. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yes. yeah. yeah. So um, one of the things that I'm always curious about um, is I like to hear uh, people who are ingrained in like a business. What what kind of um, advice could you give to somebody who maybe wants to start their own store like in their own locality? Go into it with an open mind. Listen to your customers because your store is going to be thriving or not on your customers. You have to make them happy, and that's like a big, big thing. Don't go into it thinking you're going to sell them this or that. Go into it and then listen. I am confident that I could have made more money doing a whole bunch of other things. Sure. But I couldn't have had more fun. This is a, this is definitely a labor of love. Uh to keep yeah. these mm-hmm. to keep these game stores up and running and keep those communities going. Um, everybody I've yeah. talked to says pretty much a similar thing. It's like, I could have done something else, but I really, really love what I'm doing now. 
Yeah, you can make more money, but the reward is so much better. Doing something you love. I look around and either I see a, I see a store full of laughing people. Mm-hmm. And to a certain extent, it's a safe refuge. As you probably know, gamers aren't all totally normal. <laughs> True story. Yeah. And that's one of those things. It's it's our quirks. It's uh, it's the little things about us, especially when they get into a group. And yeah, I can imagine seeing that on a weekly basis in a game store. There's days that are very, very, very mixed up with their people. And then you have days where it's all the same type of people that come in. But everybody has fun. So just try to make it for everybody. Everybody's got a seat at this table. So completely agree. So um, with that... Is there anything that you guys would like? This is your your time here. Is there anything you would like to tell to our listeners um, about anything, really? It is an open forum for you guys. Um, anything you'd like to share? Yes. I have one thing, and share it. I consider that I am the luckiest guy I know. I tell that to other people, and I believe it. Uh... Things have just worked out great. I spent 40 years being involved with something I really like. I've met an incalculable number of great people. I've had a whole bunch of wonderful people that I got to work with, and I got to choose who they were. (laughs) I would like people to come and visit us if they are in Greenville. Come by the store. There's always something going on. It's rare that we don't, well, it's increasingly less rare that we don't have tables. Um, that we have, Sometimes we run out. Uh, chairs just had to be reordered so that we could have enough for everybody. But if you like playing games, I think we're a good spot. Obviously, I have bias on that. But we do try <laughs> to accommodate everybody's opinions. We try to make everybody happy. Um, doesn't work all the time, but most of the time. Sherry does a great job with that. Yeah, but you can't make everybody happy. <laughs> <laughs> you can only do what you can do. But no, I, I will definitely second that sentiment. Um, if you guys are anywhere in the Greenville area or the, if you're driving through the Greenville area on your way to Atlanta on 85, it's a quick detour. It really is. It is worth every single minute of it. How about you guys? Uh, give us your, can you want to give us your address and how do people find you uh, physically? And then if you have social media. They might be able to locate you on that. Okay. Two things. Yes. One of my favorite things is when people do come from out of town and they find the store and they look around and they say, I wish, I wish this was in my space. I wish I didn't have to drive three hours to come here. We have people come like an hour and a half on a regular basis, which is awesome. awesome yeah. And phenomenal. Okay. Our address <laughs> is 1175 Woods Crossing Road. We're in suite number six, right behind the Haywood Mall. Got it. Our phone number, if it's needed, is 864-297-6924. And we answer those. Okay, awesome. Yeah. (laughs) When they call, you're who they're going to be talking to. Well, a person. Right. (laughs) A person. Not a recording. Press one or two. No, none of that. Um, And what about uh, social media? let me give you to our person that runs that for us. Should we let Rachel tell you? Yeah, I'll get that from her. Yeah, there she is. Hey. Hi. 
Rachel is also a member down there, and you've been coordinating with us to set this whole thing up, which we really appreciate. So they gave us the physical address. Uh, social medias, uh, where can people find you guys? Um, our Facebook page, it's um, boardwalk-greenville. And then we also put stuff on our Instagram, okay. and that one is boardwalksc. Then we also run a Discord page that we started up this past year uh, that's been doing really well for anyone local to connect to try to find each other, find games, organize stuff like that. That's pretty much where, where we're at, where you can find us. Awesome. So I guess like the last thing that I, w- I want to ask, um, Sherry, you said that you know you were, you're an RPGer as well. And we do have uh, something that we usually do uh, with our, a lot of people that play this or kind of in this part of the hobby. Do you have a favorite character that you've played? I have two. My brother ran, he ran a game for a long time for me and my friends. And um, my character in that was, it was a rogue. He turned her into a vampire so that I would quit making people angry by lagging lanterns. And... <laughs> She was one of my favorites. And then I have a customer that actually runs a game for us. And I've got a little halfling named Callie that is also a rogue, but is a huge troublemaker and is a lot of fun to play. So those are my two favorites. I feel like there's a lot of uh, a lot of similarities there. Maybe a lot of similarities personally. Uh, <laughs> you split them up. Yeah, what yeah. could be one personality and one the rest of it. Sure. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Uh, cool. John, are you an RPGer at all, or have you pretty much just, have you stayed with board and card games? I'm much, much more a board and card game kind of guy. When I got into the hobby, it was mostly the historical games from old SPI and Avalon Hill days. We always like to ask, um, and it's always, uh, for, for those of us that do play in the RPG side, it's always amazing to watch somebody light up when you ask about their favorite character because we all know that we all secretly <laughs> want to talk about it. Yeah. So uh, we definitely wanted to give you that opportunity. Yeah, guys, I wanted to say thank you so much for this. Um, this is something that we love, something that we're passionate about. And I just want to let you know how much we appreciate you taking the time, you know, on this Friday afternoon to sit down with us and tell us what it is about running a game store uh, that works for you, you know, where you guys came from and, um, we wish you the best of luck, and we're hoping to get down and visit. Any closing thoughts or anything? Thank you. Thank you for thinking about us and letting us show off our game store and our family, which is our employees. Right. <laughs> and our partners. Absolutely. That's family. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's what, and like I said, that's what that game store community should be. So uh, thank you so much for being a great example. God, we really, we wish you another 40 years and another 40 after that. Thank you. Thank you for your time. Thank you. So you think you got it covered, but there's always something new that you discover you've not thought about. You can never figure out every possible outcome, and you're so scared you'll get it wrong. Have a good time. And now, the crowdfunding roundup. So, we've pulled a couple of projects. There is a year-long calendar there is a revival of a beloved uh, rpg system and then there's one that just looks too cool not to include it 
I love how you opened with a calendar. It makes me think of Christmas, all the like calendar salespeople that show up out of nowhere. Uh, but this is a much cooler calendar than any of those I've ever seen. That's right. So this first project that we're talking about is a 2024 Quest calendar. It's uh, described as an adventure-a-day RPG. So... With this calendar, it looks like a standard, pretty much desk calendar that you have um, with a supplemental like character sheet book that comes with it. Every day when you go and pull off the new day, you get to see what kind of adventure you're going to have for that day. So it's all kinds of really cool little like encounters is really what it is. Um, it's little like RPG encounters that you get to look and see. And then you roll dice to resolve them, whatever that encounter is. Uh, you figure out what happens or you get to make decisions about how your character would proceed. Um, you get to fight monsters in some of the encounters. Uh, you can level up your character. You get and, loot. Yep. Of course, there's always loot. Um, and yeah, so this looks really, really cool. Um, I I'm not somebody who usually has a calendar, like, cause I don't have a desk in my job or anything like right. that. So everything's usually just kept on my phone. But I think this is one of those things. Like, I would make an exception and keep it at my house and every morning, like, pop off a new page and let's see what encounter we're going to have today. Right. It describes it as like two to five minutes of adventuring every day. So you kind of get to scratch that itch first thing in the morning, maybe when you come home, wherever you like to play your calendar. This looks absolutely fantastic. Uh, I'm surprised that like this hasn't really been around before because this seems like a really fun little way just to kind of, you know, scratch that itch. Yeah. So let's talk about what you get and what are your pledge levels. You can pledge and get a high quality PDF version of this for you to download, print and play for seven bucks. Yep. Which may be one of the cheapest Kickstarters that you actually get something in that we've ever done. <laughs> That yeah, outside of like the STL files that you can get and print your own, like I definitely think this is one of the least expensive. Um, the next one is a retailer level pledge, uh, so we can skip over that. Uh, but then you get to the actual like physical version, which is twenty two dollars. So you get a physical copy of the quest calendar with dice, and you get the digital PDF as well. That's not bad. No, uh, no. considering. Um, Again, going back to the calendar places that like to pop up around Christmas, uh, and being someone who has bought calendars for people, 20 bucks is about what you're probably going to spend. Right. Especially if it's a nice calendar or something that they like, you know, whether that be, I don't know, dogs or pigs or Marvel. Right. Know. I was going to say, because <laughs> they're involved there too. <laughs> but yeah, uh, so 22 bucks, that's not bad. Uh, it is plus shipping and tax. Um, but which depends on where you live and all that sort of stuff. Uh, estimated delivery is December, the end of this year, obviously, because it's a calendar for next year. So the next one up is the hero, which gets you the calendar and the dice just like before. But this is the one where you actually will get the hero book to keep track of your hero. It, it just makes it easier to keep track of your inventory and your character, which I guess you could track on your own with pen and paper. But this is their uh, little help out for it. And that's 43 bucks. That's less than a dollar a day. That's less than 50 cents a day for a year-long adventure. I think your math is really off. <laughs> there are 265 days in a year, buddy. Yeah, I know. I said less. <laughs> uh, you also get the playing cards with that as well um, that are based off the artwork and stuff of this, this world. Right. 
Um, the next one up is the champion for 140 bucks, still less than a dollar a day. <laughs> and it comes with the dice, the character book. Um, it has uh, mini amber dice. They have the hero book. They have different markers. They have the Renwood playing cards, the map dice tray, uh, enamel pin set, hero drink coasters, life elemental dice, uh, the Tree of Seasons leather pouch to put your dice in, and any of the stretch goals that they get. It, it's less than 50 cents a day, too. That's right. So Still. Still. My math's good. <laughs> yeah, you get the, the fancy set of dice, too. Right. Uh, the It's called the Elemental, or Life Elements dice, uh, which look pretty cool. I'm not going to lie. The enamel pins get me. They um, really, they do look good. So... For less than a dollar a day still, you can go to the next pledge. <laughs> That's right. Which is the Guardian Pledge. It's 326 Yeah, $326. Um, it's got pretty much everything else that was in that. Uh, you do get uh, a special custom holiday. Like I, that's the only thing that's different. Oh, you get to add your own special holiday. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So for whatever that does for you on your adventure, and it looks so good. The artwork is so good. And to be clear, the adventure that you're undertaking is protecting the forest, and you're doing it as forest animals. Yeah. Like, there's a squirrel with a spear, and I, I'm assuming that that's a ferret, and it looks like it might be a monk. Uh yeah, they like the artwork is kind of cool. The idea is really cool. There's a skunk. I guarantee he's a paladin. Yeah, should like, be. Yeah, yeah, straight up. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, th- it looks really cool. Uh, just this project in general, I think, is a great idea. Um, even if you only back at you know like the adventure level, it's still less than fifty cents a day. <laughs> there you go. We're here. We're all about uh, you know, economic responsibility. Yeah. Yeah, just just want to point out we neither of us are great at math usually. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, currently this project has 17 days to go as of time of recording. It mm-hmm. is fully funded, so definitely going to make sure that it is going to completion. Um, so yeah, go ahead and jump on that. Uh, take a look at it, see if you like it. I definitely think it's something cool. I'm probably going to pick up one for myself for next year. Next up, Savage World's 20th anniversary celebration. If you're not familiar with Savage Worlds, which I was not until here recently, it is a RPG system. Uh, I got to tell you, I really like the system. You, it's one of those systems, kind of like Fate, where you can play it in any setting. Yeah. Right? The setting that I was playing it in is a Deadlands game, which is a alternate reality, Old West, add monsters and magic, some ghost rocks. They have so many other settings that you can play it in. And reading through the rules, they kind of prepare for anything. Like mm-hmm. if you're in, if you're in a fantasy setting, you can you know sword and board or crossbows or whatever. If you're in a future setting, they've got rules for how to fire guns and how to fly spaceships. It all kind of works. So this is their 20th anniversary celebration that they put out on Kickstarter. Uh, it's got 23 days left, and it is of course fully funded and then some. So there are tons of stretch goals already unlocked on this one. If you're not familiar with the system, uh, it, it works by taking your skills and your attributes, and instead of setting them as a number, they set them as a dice. So it's a D4 through a D12, and as you improve, you roll a higher number dice to accomplish, you know, whatever whatever you're trying to do. Yep. On this one, they're or they're putting out their book again. Uh, they have their core rule set. 
They also have a player book, which is kind of really nice when you're just looking for stuff when you're playing. Um, there are tokens to play with. There are card decks, because one of the things Savage Worlds does as well is it uses a 54-card playing deck for some of its mechanic. Taking a look at it, the first level is a $15 uh, player's book. You get it digitally uh, and, and any digital stretch goals that get unlocked. Uh, if you want a hardcover book of the player's book, there are like five separate covers that you yep. can choose from. And all of those kind of come from um, different settings, different settings like in yep. Savage Worlds. Right. Yeah. So all the player's books um, are the same. They just have a different cover. That's right. Uh, which is very cool. I do like that kind of option to choose your own. So at the next level up, you get the 20th anniversary edition. That is the actual core rule Yeah, the core rule book. Yeah. It's uh, $45. It's the fifth printing of Savage Worlds with the commemorative 20th anniversary cover badge. Uh, Next up, for $100, you all of the player book covers. Yep. uh, Plus the accessory box, which the accessory box has the different tokens and... Uh, what does it say? It is an action deck, three punch board sheets with tokens and templates, four PowerPoint counters, status, cards, and exclusive new dice set. So six polyhedrals and four of the wild dice, which are D6s. Yep. And then you can move up, and for 150 you get all of that, and you get a card box, and the 20th anniversary uh, core, core rule book, and then, of course, any of the stretch goals. Uh, so talk about stretch goals that are unlocked. There is a player's box. It has a magnetic flax that holds your archetype cards and other tools like dice and bennies, uh, which are part of the game. It's got the nice like magnet on it. It's going to hold it for you. It looks like it's going to have the cover on it for whichever you want, whichever player's book you want to put on it. Uh, combat edge cards. Edges are things you add to your character to make them better. Like, okay. uh, you know, like if you want to take like some kind of like magic user, it's an arcane background edge. Um, if you want to be really good at shooting or be able to fire like two guns at one time, you could take an edge for that. Uh, unlocked were edges and then more edges and then more edges part two. Uh, and then <laughs> some advanced cards, which get you up into the legendary ranks, which is how this kind of starts out as, uh, I think it's beginner, uh, seasoned, uh, expert, and then legendary. So there are cards to track that. There's little card stands that have been unlocked. Card sleeves have been unlocked. Uh, and then you vote for setting edge cards. So some of the settings have very special edges. Mm-hmm. So you, you'll be able to look at those and maybe uh, it says the voting begins. We've unlocked the edge cards for Deadlands plus any accompanying digital file with a blank archetype card. So you can make your own at home. Uh, we open voting for backers to choose the next setting to get uh, their own edge cards in a stretch goal. And it's pretty much all of their stretch goals. There's one secret stretch goal left that hasn't been opened. But, I mean, this thing's wide open. It's ready for you to come give them money and let them send it to you. <laughs> They're looking at fulfilling uh, sometime, like January of 2024, which isn't bad. Yeah, no, not at all. Yeah, currently there's still 23 days to go left on this one, so still plenty of time to hop in. Um, but, yeah, this looks really cool. I know you've had a lot of fun with this setting. It's not something – or with this um, – RPG system. It's not something that I've actually had a chance to play with yet. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it looks really cool. There's a lot of cool stuff. I like all the different artwork for, on the covers, um, as well as all the pieces and stuff you can get in the accessory box. So. Sure. I actually got involved in a game of Deadlands um, with some people that I 
played with, uh, I, I crossed paths with them playing another game and they invited me, which super cool. Uh, and I believe that their YouTube channel is Legends of Tabletop. If you want to go watch some games being played and get an idea of how this system runs. We've had, we've only played our first session. We did our session zero. Um, really like what I've seen so far. Yeah. Like combat is fast. Building your character is fun. It's a classless system. Uh, definitely go check this one out and, uh, you know, give them something for their 20th anniversary. All right, let's talk about this last project. And uh, I'm going to be the first to say we were a little hesitant because we're not really sure how this is going to go. <laughs> uh, but I like the idea. Yeah, I, I, so I think it's it's interesting for sure. It, it's one that caught my eye, you know, in the myriad of Kickstarter and GameFound projects we were looking at. Uh, the name of this project is Trailer Park Warlords of the Apocalypse. Yeah. Yeah, baby. <laughs> Uh, so this is a tabletop miniature skirmish game, um, and the description says it's set in the mega trailer parks of the bizarre post-apocalyptic Earth. <laughs> and I love it. I'm, it's great. I'm here for it. Right, right. Uh, um, so there are uh, there are a bunch of really cool stuff about this. I think one of the coolest things that we were looking at, though, is the lore um, for the different like trailer park warlords, sure, because this is like a miniatures um, combat game. So you're thinking yep. like Warhammer or you know uh, what is it, Axes and Allies? Yeah, it, it's that kind of you know build your army, kind of hold your ground type type of game. Yep. Yeah. So the lore for the different factions that you get, you get five different factions: the Bubba's, which are some warlords are all about blood and conquest. These guys are all about hanging out with Bubba and his considerably large family, and they want to be left alone to indulge in beer, roast varmints, and open flames, tools around their cars, and piecing together ridiculous weapons. So yeah, like right at home in a mega trailer park there. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Uh, There's the Roadkill, which is a gang that's composed entirely of animals. Um, so in this universe, like animals and, and plants have become sentient. Right. Yep. Uh, so this gang was born through the sacrifice of Sketchy the Slobberer, uh, and they devote themselves to Sketchy and his example of self-sacrifice, convinced that one day he will rise again to lead his followers. I love that there's a faction that's like super religious to crazy <laughs> shit. Yeah. Like you gotta have it. Yeah. You gotta it, have it. It fits in, in every post-apocalyptic world. And then there's the Fellowship of the Tin Star, which you can figure that one out. Boy Scout types, right? <laughs> we finally make it to the apocalypse. We're running around building our own cars. Laws are not being followed, and you guys want to come in and push something. So that's them. I do say, though, that I do want to play the cow in a cowboy hat. There's there's a bull in a cowboy hat with a rifle. So, yeah, I'm all yeah. about that. Yeah. Uh, there's also Ralph, which is the Robot and Android Liberation Front. <laughs> Yeah, it's fantastic. So it consists of uh, robots from all backgrounds uh, that they continuously search uh, the mega trailer park for more of their kind to free them from their human controllers. <laughs> I just have I have visions of Bender from a Futurama. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And then last, there are the children of the soil, which are plants who have become sentient. And they are burdened with the memories of their past. These sentient plants join together to protect each other from the predatory practices endured by their ancestors. You know, like picking corn and eating it. So, <laughs> all you vegans out there, this is your fault. <laughs> it looks really good. Like It definitely looks like a small project that these guys have been trying to put together. So, let's start with the pledge levels. 
they break it up into digital pledges and physical pledges. For the digital pledges, there's the digital muscle, which gets you uh, Trailer Park Warlords of the Apocalypse core rules, the Apocalypse cards that are print and play, and any digital stretch goals. The digital veteran will get that, plus the mutation deck, and the STL gang miniatures, Bubba's and Roadkills, which are like 16 STL files that you can print out yourself. Uh, and then the digital warlord will get all of that, the uh, morph- morphology cards and the mechanism cards, the STL files for the Bubba's, Children of the Soil, Fellowship of the Ten Star, Ralph, and Roadkill, so all five of them. Mm-hmm. And any applicable uh, digital stretch goals. So those run for 15, 45, and 89, respectively. Yep. The physical pledges, uh, you start with the muscle pledge, which has physical copies of the core rules. You also get a PDF version as well. Uh, You do get one deck of apocalypse cards and then stretch goals for 29. Uh, The veteran pledge goes up to 145. So you get everything from the first pledge. You get the mutation decks. Um, You actually get an additional deck of the apocalypse cards. Um, Then you get actual printed miniatures of Bubba's and the roadkill. Uh, two initiative decks, two tracker boards, tokens, and apical stretch goals. And then you got the Warlord, which is the last physical pledge. Everything from before, um, and, but then you get the uh, Morphologies deck and the Mechanisms deck as well. Uh, you get all five sets of the miniatures, um, and then you get an additional initiative dial uh, tracker board, 65 tokens, and then, of course, the stretch goals again. That's right. It it sounds expensive, but I'm going to compare this to if you go out and say you buy a Warhammer Kill Team box. Yeah, it gives you two Kill Teams plus your terrain. They run for about two two twenty, depending. Uh, there's also some extra stuff that you can add on, um, as far as like STL files, so you can print out your own terrain. Uh, there's sandbags. There's above ground swimming pools, dumpsters. <laughs> Gas tanks, trash cans, broken road barriers, broken roads, some barrels. There's a water tower. There's, thank God, there are trailers. Uh, you can get you unpainted, $9. Or if you want to get them prepainted, 15 bucks. You could get single wide or double and wide. And there's a double wide, baby. <laughs> so these guys, I think this is the second time they've done this uh, crowdfunding. I think the first time they ended up having to cancel the project for some reason. Yep. And this one is their second run at it. Uh, I, I think this one's a little bit more refined. It looks a lot better than the first one did. The first one, I liked the, the whole theme, but it just looked like it wasn't quite ready for prime time yet. These guys seem to have got it together, uh, and it just started. They have 29 days left to go. They've raised a little over 2500 bucks, and they're shooting for fifteen grand as their yep. total. So we haven't gotten there yet, but it's still early. Um, yep. Hey, if you've ever wanted to run your post-apocalyptic trailer park, Now's your chance. Yeah, this one looks really cool and unique. Um, I'm all about unique games with themes that are different. Um, I I love the idea that this is a trailer park game. Um, I, I'm usually not a big miniature skirmish person, um, but honestly, if you have a 3D printer and can print the files yourself, it's not a bad price to be able yeah. to get all the files. Right. Yeah. Just go with the digital and get it. So yeah. that might be the way to go. Um but definitely check these guys out. Uh, I, I, I kind of want to do this just to paint them. 
Yeah, yeah, because the sculpts that they've shown so far look really, really cool. Um, they're very interesting. Again, the factions are unique, um, and they really like have a, a funny lore behind them. And it feels like this is kind of more of a kill team setup too. Like you're you only have so many uh, actual units that you're using, um, and they all seemed about the same one. So like, there's like eight or nine uh, units in each one. Yeah, and with that. The first kitten lands in the middle of two kittens and a cat, booping the kittens away and sending one off the bed. But since cats can't be booped by kittens, it stays in place. And the next player places their cat right next to it, making three cats in the row for the win. For the Dapper Meeple, I'm Jim. And I'm Josh. Good night, everyone. Thanks, everyone, for sticking around and listening to our show. If you enjoyed it, let me ask you a favor. Follow us and leave us a like wherever you get your podcast. It really helps us out. And if you have anything to say back to us, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook by searching for The Dapper Meeple. On Twitter, our handle is at The Dapper Meeple, or email us at dappermeeplegaming at gmail.com. And as always, we'll save you a seat at the table. <laughs>